books, DVDs, video games, comics, manga, Blu-ray. I've got a lot of things. My name is Vero, and I'm going to go through my collection of all this stuff and share it with you. So, let's see what's on the shelf today. So, the first item on the shelf is a book. It's Watership Down by Richard Adams, ADA. Oh, Watership Down. What an infamous book. And what a traumatizing movie that was birthed from it. Fun fact, I actually didn't discover Watership Down until high school, when it was assigned as one of our readings. So I was late to the Watership Down party. I hadn't finished it at the time, but I enjoyed what I had read. This copy of Watership Down that I have is a paperback, and is quite old, and very well loved. The paper is the kind of soft paper that old paperbacks have after years of being read. The outside edges are a red color, which is fun. I love when books have something different going on the outside of the pages. From books with the fancy gold gilding, to different texture cut edges, and so on. I think this edition that I have was printed in 1975. Oh, interesting story! I actually got this copy of Watership Down from a sort of book trading program in the apartment I lived in around 2010-ish. They had a table in the office area with books, and basically you could take a book if you left a book. It was an interesting idea and led to a circulation of a lot of books in my apartment complex. I forgot what book I had left behind in Watership Down's place. Anyway, so let's move on to the actual book and what it's about. So Watership Down is about a group of people who make an exodus from their home at the behest of a single person who has a vision of blood raining down upon their home. And it is through this one person's vision that they all leave in search of a better home. Oh, and they're all rabbits. That's right. Watership Down is a book about rabbits, my friends. Because this is a story following rabbits, a lot of people mistakenly think that this is a children's story. And oh boy. Oh baby, dearie, no. It is. It is not. <laughs> Anyone who has seen the film adaptation in 1978 can tell you that, oh no no, it is not, it is not for children at all. <laughs> it is quite traumatizing, actually. From the very beginning of the book with the character Fiverr literally having a vision of their valley covered in a sea of blood. That's, you know, in chapter one is a character having a mental breakdown because they just see their home covered in a sea of blood. It, it, this book is intense from the get-go, and the amount of, of violence and death that proceeds is wild, uh, accumulating into a survivor of the entire war and recounting the death of their people. It's, it's crazy. It, it, it's crazy how graphic and intense this book is. And people mistake it for a children's book just because it follows a bunch of rabbits. For those of you who have not experienced Watership Down, go ahead and keep listening to hear my meandering, random, random, rambling uh, synopsis. <laughs> oh yeah, it's full of all that stuttering and rambling. Like, that's what happens when you don't script it out, Vero. But that's okay, that's part of the charm and why I've decided to not script everything in these episodes. So, back to the synopsis. To give you a more thorough synopsis of Watership Down, 
the main characters are uh, a rabbit named Hazel and his little brother, uh, Fiverr. Uh, Fiverr is the one who gets the vision of their home being destroyed, and he convinces his brother, hey, we need to leave. And rabbits are very social creatures, so of course they're not going to just ditch their warren without trying to warn them. But much like, you know, the Tears of Cassandra, nobody leaves Fiverr. I mean, who wants to uproot their entire home to leave? So they only manage to leave their warren with a handful of the rabbits, uh, escaping, they, they need to escape because the rabbit police, they're called the Osla, uh, the Osla try to, uh, stop them because it's considered a sedition and traitor, uh, for them to take rabbits and try to leave, you know, so, you know, we have, we have rabbit police and traitor and sedition at the very beginning of this children's book, I'm, I'm going to keep saying that, um, but the group manages to escape the Osla and begin on their mass journey to finding a new home, which is the title of the book, Watership Down, that they are looking for. Throughout their journey, they uh, encounter, obviously, several dangers. Uh, they have a false uh, lead where they find another warren of rabbits um, that looks like a utopia. All the rabbits are large and healthy and they look sleek and but they act oddly. They don't act like reg regular rabbits should. They're rather peaceable, um, which you wouldn't think is a bad thing, but it is just it's very off-putting. Uh, but there is a good reason for this because you discover that this is a kind of farmer's uh, rabbit den. They're keeping the rabbits, they're feeding them, uh, but they've also surrounded the entire area with traps and snares. So it's the exchange of their so-and-so piece. You know, they get fed and they get taken care of and they don't have to worry about dangers, but at the cost of occasionally one of them may get caught in a trap and taken away. And that's just become their society where it's just become kind of like a, a will of God, or their God is called Frith, the sun. So it is the will of Frith that, you know, that, that rabbit was taken. Uh, so when this was discovered by our rabbits, our main characters, of course they are sufficiently horrified, and they decide to leave this warren. When leaving the warren, uh, one of the rabbits asks to join them, a rabbit called Strawberry, and they agree to take Strawberry with them uh, as they continue looking for a new home. Uh, they eventually do uh, discover Watership Down, and it is every bit the uh, perfect land that Fiverr had promised them, and they begin to uh, make a new warren, digging new homes and things like that, but um, their, you know, leader, Hazel, the, the other main character that we started the book with, realizes that they don't have a future because no, they, they're, an entirely, they're entirely a group of males. Uh, they have no females. So, of course, within a generation, they're all just going to die off. So their warren is in heap big trouble. And so they need to think about where they can find other rabbits and convince them to say, hey, we could use some does, why don't they come with us? 
Um, and they, uh, while trying to figure this out, they meet and help uh, a bird uh, by the name of Kehar. I love Kehar. Kehar is a great character uh, with his uh, odd accent and way of speaking. Uh, it is told to us in Watership Down that all animals speak a sort of uh, pigeon kind of language that they can sort of understand each other in, you know, um, but generally they have their own languages. So the rabbits speak Lapine, but in trying to communicate communicate to Kahar, they speak this kind of uh, pigeon language, and uh, they make a friend of him by rescuing him from danger and feeding him and things like that. Uh, which was very odd at first, and no one knows why Hazel thought they should do it, but Hazel thought, hey, we need friends in this place. And a big bird will know, be able to fly around and know the lay of the land better than we can. And everybody's like, okay, Hazel, if you say so. You, I mean, you, you've been chief rabbit so far. Through Kehar, they discover that there are two places where they might be able to find other rabbits. One is a farm that has some rabbits and hutches kept in the farm, and then another one is another warren. So they decide, oh, let's go to this other warren and talk to them, because it's dangerous to approach a farmhouse, um, and we have no guarantee that those rabbits are going to have any does. So, uh, um, oh, oh, hey guys, remember earlier, you know, when I mentioned that there was a survivor that tells them about their death of the warren? Yeah. It's around this time that uh, one of the rabbits that had chased them, the, the leader of the Osla, of the rabbit police, actually survived, and he's, like, on death's door and crying out for, for one of the rabbits that he, he had tried to chase down. And in his delirium and near death, he's crying out to him to apologize that he had been right. But everybody had assumed at first that this desperate, terrible crying being was the black rabbit of death, for God's sake. And one of the characters was prepared to meet his death god, you know, that he was being called away to die. This book is wild, everybody. Uh, anywho, so we, we, they, they, they rescue the guy, and there's another one who's with him, and these are the only two survivors, the only two survivors of their entire heckin' Warren. Uh, and then afterwards, when the character does heal up and survives, and he tells them about what happens, is probably one of the most intense sequences of the book, where he describes in detail, in, in graphic detail, about how the Warren was poisoned by humans uh, with a sort of uh, poison gas that made them all very loopy, um, and what didn't kill them outright, you know, they tried to escape their warrens, uh, but they would find the holes plugged up, and they would just describe bodies and bodies of rabbits climbing over each other, clawing at each other, and any of them that managed to survive and escape, the humans above would shoot them and kill them, and so, you know, you either had the poison gas kill you underground, uh, you'd get plugged up, on the bodies of dead rabbits, or you would manage to escape and get shot and killed. And then afterwards, uh, giant uh, machines, uh, claw diggers, what are they called? Um, excavators. Uh, yeah, the giant excavators 
uh, come in and digs up the warren, and they don't care that it's full of rabbits, okay? They're just the dead rabbits are dug up and dumped out. That's terrifying. It's fucking awful, okay? This book is awful! Uh... <laughs> any, a, anyway, um... So that's what happened to their land that Fiverr had protected them from. They escaped from that. Anywho, back to the issue at hand, which is that they needed does. Um, it's when uh, Captain Hawley, that's the survivor, and his ally Bluebell. Captain Hawley is really messed up from what happened. Uh, Bluebell is kind of the comedic relief that kind of kept his spirits up with all his jokes. Uh, they would have given up the ghost and fallen to despair if Bluebell hadn't kept them going. And, you know, I really appreciate that, that the that the novel kind of made a sort of nod to, we need those jokers, we need the levity to, to help us in despair, because a lot of people don't appreciate uh, the softer characters uh, in society nowadays. Uh, we don't appreciate the, the lightheartedness and taking a moment to breathe. So I really appreciate uh, Bluebell's character and Captain Hawley's appreciation of Bluebell. But um, I digress. So back to the hunting down for the does. So they decide to send an embassy to the other Warren uh, with Captain Hawley as leader of the embassy because he has experience as a leader and things like that. And uh, he has promises to, you know, follow you know, their leadership. They, he learned from his mistake. He doesn't want to try and become Chief Rabbit, you know. Uh, he just wants to help. So, this is where we're getting to the next part of the book. This is uh, the, the another intense part of the book, which is where we discover this other Warren. This other Warren of Rabbits? Yeah, this is a, it's, it's a despotic dictatorship. It's, it's, a, it's, it's a police state. It's an, it is complete and utter tyranny where the rabbits are organized by what are called marks they have scheduled feeding times that they can go above ground otherwise they're constantly underground and it is overcrowded over policed they have no uh, freedom to do anything and uh, everyone is uncomfortable and miserable but their leader the general woundwort uh, keeps a firm paw on all of them and f rules by strength and tyranny. So, uh, when Captain Hawley and the embassy goes and says, hey, you know, we're just looking, you know, we're another Warren, we're looking for other does, you know, hey, if anyone wants to leave with us, that'd be great. And of course, they're like, lol, no, you're, you're part of our Warren now. So, they get taken in as, as prisoners and to be assimilated into this already overcrowded uh, miserable Warren. Um, through a series of events, they managed to escape after meeting uh, a, a Doe who talks about how discontented a bunch of them are. Um, they escape, they go back to Watership Down, tell Hazel and the others about how fucked up this Warren is, and we like, we need to avoid that place. It is super bad, and we're never going back there. Uh, but that doesn't stop the problem. They do need uh, does, uh, and that seems to be their only option outside of the, uh, the the farmhouse. Which, while Captain Hawley and the others were visiting the other Warren, Ephrafra, uh, Hazel had gone 
to the farmhouse to try and rescue some of those rabbits. And so he had a small team, and they went and, and helped some of the rabbits escape, but uh, at a great cost. They only managed to rescue two of the does, uh, one of the bucks, and Hazel got shot doing it. Everybody thought he had died, um, but he barely manages to survive. So in the face of this almost failure, you know, where they have two does from this excursion, Captain Hawley comes back and tells them, yeah, this war in Afrafra is messed up and they're not going to give us any does and we should have nothing to do with them. But Hazel is like, well, we need does, so I guess we're going to break into Afrafra and try and break out some does. And everybody's like, you're yeah, Hazel, yeah, what did I just say? What did I just say about how bad this place was? So they sit around and they make plans, a lot of plans to figure out how they're going to break into a fra-fra, grab a bunch of does, escape with these does, and then find a way back to Watership Down without being pursued, chased, and killed by the Afrafron rabbits and General Ruined Ward. Like, it's, 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 it's practically impossible. Um, but they eventually do manage to come up with a plan, which is Bigwig, who is my favorite character. Bigwig was part of the uh, police rabbits in the original uh, Warren, way at the beginning, and he actually leaves with Hazel and everything at the beginning. Uh, I love him. Bigwig is a great character. He's he he's kind of, at the beginning, he's a bit of a bully. He's brash, bullheaded, but he grows from it and becomes a very loyal, strong character. Uh, Bigwig, or uh, Thlaley is his name in Lapine, which translates to kind of like mop head or bigwig so uh they come up with a plan that bigwig is going to infiltrate a fra fra and say hey i'm here to join uh my warren was destroyed and i'm looking for a new one and i heard that you guys are tough so bigwig manages to join a fra fra and convince them that he's legit and he's a big strong rabbit and they're like okay we can use you in our osla um and then while he's there, Bigwig needs to figure out, you know, what does would want to come with them. Um, so through speaking with does and the use of Kehar to s spread messages between Bigwig and the other rabbits, they eventually manage to uh, locate and speak with a couple of does that are like, hey, we'll leave with you, uh, but it's going to be impossible. So unless you have a foolproof plan of getting us out of here, uh, we don't think it's going to work. Through a series of events, they do manage to escape uh, Bigwig and the Does and all of the rabbits uh, chased by General Woundwort, but they manage to find a boat uh, on a river, and rabbits have no concept of boats. But Kehar does, and he explains it to them, and they manage to uh, have a paradigm shift and realize what a boat is, does, and they lead all the other Does and rabbits you know, to the boat, and, uh, escape, and to the other rabbits, it's like, whoa, they disappeared, what happened, they just disappeared into the water, um, anyway, so they managed to make it back to Watership Down with a bunch of female rabbits, and they all managed to have big families, and propagate, uh, and it looks like everything's gonna be happily ever after, until, turns out, they get discovered by the Afrafron rabbits, uh, from the old Osla, and General Woundwort is just like, oh, hell no. 
Oh hell no. We ain't gonna have these rabbits escape from us. I have a reputation to uphold. I have uh, discipline and order to maintain. So General Woundwort leads a siege on Watership Down uh, to conquer them and take back their does. Um, there essentially is a war between the rabbits that uh, ends with uh, some tricks. Uh, Bigwig manages to fight and injure General Woundwort. Uh, Hazel and some other rabbits manage to uh, lead a dog, and the dog chases off and kills a bunch of the Efrafron rabbits and General Woundwort. And, you know, it's, it's a wild battle scene uh, that kills off uh, General Woundwort and the worst of the Efrafron rabbits. And the more sensible ones, of course, run away. And the epilogue, the, the falling action of the story, describes how Watership Down prospers, eventually uh, sending some of their young rabbits out, and they meet Ephrafra. And Ephrafra is a now healthier warren, and they start a new warren, a sister warren. And they all live and propagate and have big families. And Hazel grows old and dies peaceably, uh, uh, escorted to the afterlife by their hero, El Herrera himself. Um, and so that is basically the entire story of Watership Down, beginning to end. Uh, and what's our verdict? I loved it. I, I greatly enjoyed it. I was invested it was slow for me to get into at the beginning but uh by the end of it you know i was very invested in in the world and the characters and the story and i think my favorite part of watership down is the little footnotes at the bottom that they occasionally put usually it's to explain a word in lapine there's even a glossary in the back for reference but it's interesting to see adams's choices and what he writes in lapine and what he chooses to translate I wonder what the basis for his decisions were. For example, one of the characters' names is Halau, or Pipkin. Halau means any dimple or depression in the grass, such as that is formed by a daisy plant or thistle, which can hold moisture. Adams occasionally switches between Halau and Pipkin for the character's name. And uh, speaking of Lapine, I love the words that we hear. It actually sounds like a legitimate language, rather than gobbledygook or random words thrown together. Uh, some made-up languages just sound up like rounded words. Uh, even the ones that actually mean something and have an entire grammatical structure and basis, like Klingon in Star Trek, or like uh, the true language in Aragon, which we'll be visiting much later in the podcast, as Aragon is in the P section of my library, uh, Paolini. Um, but uh, the language of Watership Down Lapine is just, it's so full of fun words and sounds. Halau, uh, El Harara, the, the Threra, Osla, Hrududil, uh, Homba. You know, it, it's, it's all sounds like rabbit language. And I really, really love that. Uh, I think the hardest part of Watership Down for me is when the author goes on describing the area and the scenery and the woods. It's an important part of the book and setting, but for me personally, I'm not a woodsy person. 
so the naming and description of everything doesn't paint a clearer picture of the setting for me. My mind fills in just a sort of um, generic forest scene in my head with nothing really added to it. But I can sense and tell how important these descriptions add to the sense of the narrative. The voice of it, if that makes sense. This is a book about rabbits and nature and the woods, and giving the sense of peace of the woods and nature is important to the story. Not only does it place you into the mindset of the beings it wants to portray, but it also provides an important contrast to the intense scenes of the story. It's little like the Japanese concept of Ma that Hayao Miyazaki mentions in an interview with Roger Ebert. Uh, let me read you an excerpt of this interview. I told Miyazaki I loved the gratuitous motion in his films. Instead of every movement being dictated by the story, sometimes people will just sit for a moment, or they will sigh, or look in a running stream, or do something extra. Not to advance the story, but only to give the sense of time and place and who they are. We have a word for that in Japanese, he said. It's called ma, emptiness. It's there intentionally. Is that like the pillow words that separate phrases in Japanese poetry? I don't think it's like the pillow word. He clapped his hands three or four times. The time in between my clapping is ma. If you just have non-stop action with no breathing space at all, it's just busyness. But if you take a moment, then the tension building in the film can grow into a wider dimension. If you just have the constant tension at 80 degrees all the time, you just get numb. So, while I find Watership Down scenes of Ma difficult to get into, I recognize how important they are to the book, and I wouldn't remove them at all. I don't skip them. I read through them all and try my best to get as much as I can from the scenes. Even if they don't help me paint a clear picture of the woods or setting, they still provide a mood or voice that is essential to the experience. There was one scene that stood out to me from the others. It was Adams's exploring the metaphorical concepts of moonlight on the downs. I'm going to read for you an excerpt now. Bear with me. It's kind of a long one. The full moon well-risen in a cloudless eastern sky, covered the high solitude with its light. We are not conscious of daylight as that which displaces the darkness. Daylight, even when the sun is clear of clouds, seems to us simply the natural condition of the earth and air. When we think of the downs, we think of the downs in daylight, as we think of a rabbit with its fur on. Stubbs may have envisioned the skeleton inside the horse, but most of us do not and we usually do not envision the downs without daylight, even though the light is not a part of the down itself, as the hide is part of the horse itself. We take daylight for granted, but moonlight is another matter. It is inconstant. The full moon wanes and returns again. Clouds may obscure it to an extent to which they cannot obscure daylight. Water is necessary to us, but a waterfall is not. Where it is to be found, it is something extra, a beautiful ornament. We need daylight, and to that extent, it is utilitarian. But moonlight we do not need. When it comes, it serves no necessity. It transforms. It falls upon the banks and the grass, separating one long blade from another, turning a drift of brown frosted leaves from a single heap to innumerable flashing fragments or glimmering lengthways along wet twigs, as though light itself were ductile. Its long beams pour, white and sharp, between the trunks of trees, 
their clarity fading as they recede into the powdery, misty distance of beech woods at night. In moonlight, two acres of coarse-bent grass undulate and ankle-deep tumbled and rough as a horse's mane, appear like a bay of waves, all shadowy troughs and hollows. The growth is so thick and matted that even the wind does not move it, but it is the moonlight that seems to confer stillness upon it. We do not take moonlight for granted. It is like snow, or like the dew on a July morning. It does not reveal, but changes what it covers, and its low intensity, so much lower than that of daylight, makes us conscious that it is something added to the down, to give it, for only a little time, a singular, marvelous quality that we should admire while we can. For soon, it will be gone again. So, <clears throat> I don't know why this excerpt stood out to me. Maybe because it was more a metaphorical exploration of the scene rather than an actual description of the plants and woods and location. But it really gave me that sense of ma, of peace, and made me think about moonlight in a new and interesting way. I felt a sort of shift in my perspective. And moments like that have great power. They're important, and I love them. And I felt like Watership Down had a lot of moments like that, where I saw things in, in a new and different way. Uh, on top of the whimsy of the story, you know, it's the contrast between all these things. The whimsical nature of the language of the rabbits, the storytelling of El Herrera and the tales that they uh, interspersed in with the action and the adventure and tragedy of death and life of these characters and these rabbits put in with the moments of peace. Uh, it's all balanced. Uh, the book, uh, the pacing, the pacing of the book can be rough at times. Um, I have started Watership Down about twice before, and I didn't finish it either time. Uh, each time I got a little further along in the book, but I would eventually get distracted or other things in my life would happen, and I, and I never finished Watership Down until this project. So uh, the pacing uh, is a little rough for me personally. Uh, it could be that maybe I struggled too much with those scenes of peace, uh, but I feel like I didn't need uh, constant action either. So I couldn't tell you what it is about the pacing that I would have changed. Uh, whatever it was, it's still not enough for me to take this book off my shelf. I still rather enjoyed it, um, and I think I would definitely read it again. You know, when I started this project, I found I struggled to read Watership Down, and I don't think it was just because of that pacing I mentioned. Uh, I think it was uh, partially that, but also something different. I found myself rereading passages and not absorbing anything. My reading comprehension and focus were shot. It was kind of distressing, to be honest. But as time went on, I started being able to focus more, to go through stints of reading without losing track of the passages or getting distracted easily by my surroundings. I found myself reaching out to the book instead of my phone in moments of peace. I've always needed distractions. I can't abide moments of silence or being alone with my thoughts. I've always needed something to read or to do. In this day and age with the technology that we have, that became my phone. It was always in my pocket, ready to provide me with something to keep me occupied. But 
perhaps there's something to be said in having too much. Too many distractions designed to keep us busy and absorbed. Notifications pinging, social media to binge, articles and tabs to get lost in. I mean, getting distracted is all too easy. Now, don't get me wrong, this isn't the old fogey, technology bad grumblings. It's just something I've noticed. Technology is a wonderful tool. Information is more accessible than ever. People are connected across countries. I think it's wonderful. But you can't ignore the fact that it does have its downsides and drawbacks like anything else in life. And some things on the internet are designed to feed into that instant gratification and distraction. And I think that we've been trained a little bit into it. So it has been hard to sit down and read like I used to. But I found it got easier the further I got into the book. Maybe some of it was the book eventually getting up to speed and gripping me in the tail. But maybe some of it was also me remembering how to read again. To focus. It certainly feels a little like reusing an old muscle. It's very refreshing and feels good. Very good. I'm glad that I'm doing this. And I'm glad that I've got this project and this library and, and this diary to share with all of you. So, that was Watership Down. I thoroughly enjoyed it, and it's staying on the shelf.